0: today we're going to be talking about underdog fantasy football and this has been a best ball platform that's been out for the last couple of years or not last couple of years since last year and i'll get into what best ball is in a second we're going to break down the whole thing of what best ball is so i'm going to kind of just break down what i've learned over the past year of playing underdog and just kind of give a beginner's guide for anybody out there that wants to play and we're also going to be going over some pretty high level stuff as well so everybody can take something from this video when it comes to best ball st- draft strategy and before i ramble on any longer let's go Oops i played best ball last year i'm gonna gonna keep it a buck with you guys i was straight up bad and i thought i could just dominate these leagues and attack them the same way i would a redraft league i put in like 40 last year nothing crazy i put in like 40 played 15 drafts only one back 25 so i didn't even break even and i can't stress this enough you can hit on a james robinson a mike davis and if you drafted four tight ends and eight running backs you didn't win your best ball league roster construction and strategy are 85 percent of the puzzle when it comes to underdog and i didn't know that when i was playing last year i've learned a bunch i can't stress this enough i am not a genius i am not even that smart the guys who are truly ge- Super smart, intelligent people are Sean Siegel. He's the, the founder of the Zero RB Strategy. Mike Leone over at Established to Run and Justin Herzig over at Established Run. I've been reading a ton of their articles trying to give you guys better content and trying to put money in my pocket on Underdog. So make sure you go check out those guys' uh, articles, everything like that. You can learn... 10 times as much from those guys but this is gonna be like a beginner course of what i've learned from those those guys and what i've learned from myself and with all that wisdom, i currently have 28 drafts completed for 2021 and it's only may remember last year i did 15. Right now, we're not even in the offseason. I've done I've done 28, which it's it's a little bit of a problem. It's a little bit of a problem, but it's a good it's a good problem to have. Now I can give you guys more content, I have more experience for the viewers. We can just chalk it up as for the channel, all, all of that time spent and money spent on these drafts. First, let's break down what the building blocks of underdog fantasy football is. It's a league where you start one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, and a flex each week, and you have 10 bench spots the format is 0.5 PPR. And this is what the beauty of best ball is. This is why I love it because you can just go into as many drafts as you want and never have to worry about it until literally the Super Bowl. Every week, underdog automatically submits your best lineup. So it's just going to pull whatever your players have the best lineup. It's honestly, I'm not going to say it's the way all fantasy should be because I like the... I like the idea of start sits but i also like the idea of having fantasy where you don't have to worry about start sits and waivers and all that there's no waivers there's no start sits there's no trades you draft your team and everybody just has what they got so it's kind of hard to wrap your head around what that looks like when they're just when they're taking your best possible points every single week and then they're adding them up so it's not your best possible points over the entire season it's week one week two week three week four so i went back last year this is my only team that got a first place prize with like 120 dollars and this is what it looked like on week four. You can see the players with the colors next to them. So you have like Tom Brady and purple. Those are the ones who counted for that week. And uh, there's only seven starters. This year, they added a third wide receiver. Last year, it was just two running backs, two wide receivers, and a flex. So that's why there's seven starters and not eight. But you you kind of get the gist of what's going on here. It takes the best players from each position that would be in your starting lineup, and it tallies that at the end of the week. And then at the end of the season, it just gives the the payouts to the top three teams. I don't know what the percentages are, but I got... $20 for winning it. I think second got $9 and then third got $3. I think it was like a $3 league. And it's no coincidence that this was the team that won first place. This is the only team that I made last year and it was honestly just by luck. I didn't even like mean to do it like this. I didn't even know what roster construction was last year. I want to say I feel like I'm a 10 times better fantasy player or just anything like that now than I was a year ago and I think even still I'm not I'm not anything crazy. I'm still not shit. But I'm 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 gonna keep on learning for you guys to just give you guys better content as we go. Remember, we're only at like 950 subscribers. Imagine when we're at 5,000, 10,000. I'm gonna be up here, galaxy brain, hovering on my chair like I'm fucking Doctor Strange, fellas. I'm telling you, I'm just gonna keep on loading up on this kind of knowledge. And I want to reiterate: last year you could have hit on James Robinson, DK Metcalf, but if you drafted four QBs and four tight ends, you're not winning that league. You have to you have to be very aware of what your roster construction is and this team that I drafted last year was two quarterbacks, five running backs, nine wide receivers, and two tight ends. So I'm going to refer, this is the order. It's going to be quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. That's going to be the order that I refer to these lineups going forward. So that was a two, five, nine, two lineup. And that's a lot similar to what I like to run now. So let's break down each position and how many you want of each. So we're going to talk about the quarterbacks first. And at quarterback you ideally want two solid quarterbacks, you know, like a like a Kyler Murray and Tom Brady. So you have like that 1A, like Kyler Murray's in that upper echelon. Then you have a guy like Tom Brady, who's like a fringe top 12 guy, that's perfect. And if you even wanna go a little bit riskier than that, I can even let you slide with two top 12 fringe guys, like a Burrow and a Brady. Now I will say, you can do this if you want. I personally don't, but you could go a, a Lamar Kyler, so you have like two super high echelons. That's spending too much on the quarterback position, in my opinion. I, I don't wanna to spend too many top resources on the quarterback position. If you want to do that and you really want to lock in that safety, that's fine. The worst case scenario is when you have to go three quarterbacks. And three is where you have to max out. It has to be two to three quarterbacks. Ideally, you really only want two. But that third is when you when you just, you just wait too long and now all of a sudden you have to go Fitzpatrick. Even then, you could still rock with two and just hope for the best because... I'm going to say this a billion times this episode, but in, uh, in best ball, you have to just assume best case scenario you have to assume that your quarterback plays 16 games he doesn't bust he doesn't get injured so I don't mind if you want to go if you wanted to go like Kyler Murray Jameis Winston I wouldn't I wouldn't knock you for that but if you went Brady Jameis Winston I'd maybe want to add another quarterback or you could even just get three that's like Fitzpatrick Jameis Winston and who's another like low level quarterback like a Carson Wentz you know what I mean if you wanted to go with that that route I wouldn't scoff at it but I try to avoid that. I want to get two quarterbacks I can rely on, lock them in, because I want to spend as little amount of roster spots on quarterback and tight end as possible. If we're going to move on to the tight ends, it's pretty much the same thing. You ideally want two, and you can do the same thing. You can go with two mid-tier guys, like, instead of a uh, a Brady and a Burrow, you could go with a Noah Fant, Tyler Higbee kind of thing. And these are these aren't, like set in stone tight ends i'm just saying guys in that range you get what i'm saying that guys in that tight end seven to ten tier or you can go with a guy like george kittle and pair him up with a jared cook jared cook is a guy that's like a tight end 15 and beyond and he might give you a week here and there and with that you want to make sure uh, with all these quarterbacks and tight ends you want to make sure that their bye weeks don't overlap now let's say you start noah fant and you miss out on tyler higby and then you go jared cook then you should probably grab another tight end like an Adam Troutman or Austin Hooper. Then you go with that three tight end build. And again, I try and avoid any type of three tight end and three quarterback builds. I I ideally only want four spots there, maybe five. If you have to do three at one and two at the other, you can get by with that. But I think the worst thing you can do is go three at each. Once you go three at each, then you're looking a little bit rough. And with, with running backs and wide receivers, instead of going by, how much I would draft at each one. It's really strategy-based when it comes to wide receiver and running backs. That's why I did tight end and uh, quarterback first. So I figured it'd be easier to break down my running back and wide receiver strategy based on my roster construction. And the first one is gonna be called hyper-fragile. I think uh, the guys over at Established the Run kind of made that idea. Maybe Sean Siegel did. One of those guys, they coined that term. And this is where you only draft four running backs with at least one drafted in the, in the first five rounds. You can go one draft in the first five rounds, two, three, but that's what it's defined by. You go... One to, th- one to four in the first five rounds and cap out at four. So you can go one in the first five rounds and then three later on and cap out at four. You can go four straight up and then cap out there, but you don't want to spend too many on the running back position. And let me break down how this kind of makes sense. Let's say you start Saquon Barkle, you come back around, gla- grabs uh, Clyde edwards Zolaire. And then let's say you finish out with seven running backs. So now you're drafting seven running backs, Saquon and Ceh. You don't need that many uh, running backs. You're spending too many resources there, getting bogged down by that because you're spending too many resources on one position. If you're spending up for Saquon and Ceh, you can also go for safety with those back end running backs. That's why it's called hyper fragile. You just want you have to assume that players are not getting injured and they don't bust because once you start drafting, oh, maybe Saquon t- tears his ACL again. Let me draft two more running backs. Well. One, if Saquon stays healthy, you just screwed yourself over. And two, if Saquon got hurt, your season's over anyway. So you just have to plan like everything's going to be fine. You have to just understand the risk that comes with injury and draft that way. You can't always, you can't just protect yourself. In best ball, there isn't really any protecting yourself. There's no handcuffs. There's no, oh, but what if my player gets hurt? There is, in your head, you have to approach best ball and just be an absolute fucking idiot and be like, okay, Saquon Barkley and CH are going to ball the fuck out and beat RB1s. That's just the mindset you have to have. They're gonna ball the fuck out and then you have to plan for it that way. That's just the easiest way to go about it. There's no safety in best ball. The saying they use that Establish the Run really, uh, really stuck with me. It's the rule of thumb is you either draft RBs early or you draft them often. And drafting RB, RBs early means top five rounds. So if you draft one RB in the top five rounds, you have to cap out at four. But if you miss out on the top five rounds, that's when we'll get into in a second. Let's focus on the hyper fragile build where we only go four running backs. Here's the team I drafted last night. For this, I went two quarterbacks, four running backs, 10 wide receivers and two tight ends. That is the optimal prime position allocation that I'm trying to run with these four RB builds. Like I said earlier, if you need to go three quarterbacks, you can three quarterbacks to three tight ends, you can do that. So if you wanna go instead of two, four, ten two, you can go three, four, nine, two or two, four, nine, three if you want but i would not i would not go three four eight three if you guys get what i'm saying Uh, you want to aim for two four ten two and then safety lever is three four nine two two four nine three and then anything past that if you have to go three tight ends and three quarterbacks that's a tough tough spot to be in now with these running backs like i said You can draft any amount that you want early, but as soon as you draft one in the top five rounds, that's when you go hyper-fragile and cap out at four. So if you wanted to go where I went, if you wanted to go Kamara, CEH, Miles Sanders, and come back around and grab Chris Carson, I I don't know the exact ADPs, but you guys get what I'm saying? If you wanted to do that, you could, but you could also do what I did. You can anchor it down with Alvin Kamara, expect him to be RB1, putting up 20-plus points every week, and then you just kind of punt RB2. You hope that Fournette, Hines, and Rashad Penny can just string something together for you in that RB2 spot if you're a little bit less open for risk like I am and you kind of wanted to play things safe you can go two three RBs early let's say let's say you grab two RBs early let's say you go Alvin Kamara come back around grab CEH you can just grab another early RB and then there's no reason once you get two or three st- locked in like fringe RB1s to stud RB1s there's no reason to insulate yourself and then max out at six seven running backs in case somebody gets hurt again you have to assume that these guys are gonna ball out. So that's this strategy. Then this one, this one hurts your boy. This one hurts your boy. If you, if you know early days, of me back like last like June, May, something like that. I came out with an article saying that early round running back is the way to go, and I still do believe that in redraft. I, I, I'm now more open to zero RB, but this is gonna be zero RB in best ball, and I, I love this draft strategy. Whenever I can do it, I do it. These guys, Sean Siegel and those boys, they're opening up. They're opening up my third eye. For the zero rb train and zero rb is it, it's a dope strategy and mike leone did a really cool uh, article over at establish the run and i'm not i'm trying not to steal anything that's why i'm not going to use any screenshots or anything like that but he said for the zero rb builds where they drafted six rbs none in the first five rounds that only took up 1.2 percent of teams drafted on the entire app but that had a 15.02 percent league win rate compared to the next highest early running back build winning only 9.86% of leagues. So you're almost winning at like 1.75 times more with zero RB builds than anything else. And on top of it winning more leagues, it's also not used at all. And you wanna stick out in these best ball drafts. Everybody's going RB early. Everyone's going four running backs. If you use zero RB, no one else is your draft is using it and you're setting yourself up to win that league. Now I will say these league win rates are definitely fluffed. The, the ones that take four running backs or a bunch of running backs, Those are more of the common people on underdog. And the players that take zero RB builds, they're usually the sharp guys, the ones who are raking in a lot of money. So that is skewed by it a little bit. But if you know the sharks are winning a lot of money using zero RB, why wouldn't you also try your hand at zero RB? So with this strategy, I like to go two, six, eight, two. So two quarterbacks, six running backs, eight wide receivers, and two tight ends. And I don't take a running back until after the fifth round. And again, if you need to go with a third quarterback or tight end, you can just go with seven wide receivers, but I I don't recommend it. I'm trying to use only, I only want four quarterbacks and tight ends. And here's an example of a zero RB team. I actually drafted it last night. I was, if any of you guys know him, Jacob Sanderson, he's on Twitter. He's a dope follow. He has like 3000 followers. He was in the, uh, he was in this draft with me. I was going back and forth with him on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at Ronstore underscore, uh, it was a good time. Every single time I hop in one of these drafts, I sometimes will come up against an analyst and that's really fun. But yeah, so here's the team I drafted. He was, we were back to back, so he was sniping me, I was sniping him. But this is the team I ended up with: Tyree Kill and D Hop to start, and then you build it from there. You wanna, uh, ideally, you wanna be in that back half of the first round, and you start with two wide receivers, or you could even, you could even go like Kelsey in a wide receiver. But obviously you can't go zero RB with a top five pick. So if you're in the top five, like don't, there's no reason to force zero RB and pass on a Saquon Barkley and go grab like Tyreek Hill. There's no reason to do that. There's No, no one should be taking Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill at 101. But whenever I'm at the back half of the first round, I, I try and go for zero RB. And if I can't, then you can just work your way out. Let's say you go two wide receivers and then, is what happened in my video yesterday i went two wide receivers and then an rb fell to me and now i have two wide receivers a running back drafted in the first round or in the first five rounds and then you just max out at four running backs with the hyper fragile build and go from there so you can just stay flexible with these two builds but this draft this draft the zero rb was feeling great we went hill d hop then we went amari cooper mike evans locked in those wide receivers stud wide receivers then we get kyler murray and chase edmonds so we locked in our quarterback then we locked in our rb1 with chase edmonds and you hope that chase edmonds when you go zero RB, you ideally want to take a running back in that sixth or seventh round and get somebody that can anchor you down. The guy, guys that I like to uh, get there can be Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, Chase Edmonds, um, all of those kind of guys in that area. They don't feel great, but if you, if you lock in one of them to be your anchor, you just have to hope that they hit. And that's kind of what you're doing with these running backs. You're, you're hoping that you can win with quantity over quality. You're hoping that one of them can take over and be great or that you can just string together enough weeks to be good and just be great at wide receiver, tight end, and quarterback and win that way. As people's running backs go down, you get a boost. Let's say you got Tony Pollard, then the guy who gets Zeke. Zeke gets hurt, now you get a boost. So everybody else, as their roster deteriorates throughout the season, yours only gets better and better and better as the season goes on as these zero RB candidates get a hit. And I went with Edmonds, then Fournette, Singletary, Cohen, White, Coleman. I wish that I went with someone like a Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison. You wanna get those guys who are backups with stud upside, but I, w- I like to get a mix of ambiguous backfields, PPR monsters like James White and Tariq Cohen, cause they can just give you solid starts uh, every couple of weeks. Then you get backups with stud upside like Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison. Also, just to put a little cherry on top, we're gonna talk about stacks here. So I got some brownie points, you know, in this draft. I set up some sweet stacks. I got Kyler Murray paired with Chase Edmonds, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk. I got Tom Brady paired with Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and Leonard Fournette. So what are stacks? These are gonna be where you stack Players in the same offense, like those two were. And it doesn't have to be quarterback. It doesn't have to be quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end. It doesn't have to be just pass catchers. It can be running backs on that offense. You can go, like I did, quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, running back. You can also just not even have quarterback. You can just go wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, wide receiver, tight end, running back. You guys get the gist. I'm out here fucking rapping on the mic. Now, I will say that. In hindsight, I do sometimes go with that four-man stack where I'll go quarterback, running back, and then two pass catchers. But that's where bye weeks start to get really tricky. So now I'm starting to kind of dial back, especially you don't want two four-player stacks on the same team like I did. You're gonna want to scale that back, probably go with like a three-man stack, three-man stack. Four gets a little bit risky, but it also shoots for a lot of upside. And sometimes I do, I'll be honest with you guys, sometimes I go overboard with the stacks. Sometimes the stacks, they look too good. I like to go with a couple of, of stacks. I don't know, we'll see how that plays out. All i can say is don't go overboard you can always stack you can stack wide receiver wide receiver tight end you don't have to get the quarterback or the running back to feel the effects of the stack you just want to get players in the same offense so in that offense Goes for 45 like when tampa bay goes for 45 and gronk gets a touchdown and evan gets a touchdown and antonio brown gets a touchdown you don't necessarily need tom brady to feel the effects of that stack if you made it this far man i appreciate it make sure you go down below subscribe and leave a like maybe once we get to a certain amount of subscribers underdog will put some respect on my name i'm trying to get that promo code man i want to get as many of you guys on underdog i want to get as many of you guys on underdog and in the discord so make sure you go down below join the discord we have our own little channel chat for underdog drafts. I would love to get in a bunch of underdog drafts with you guys. I'm literally doing probably one or two every night. And don't tell my my wallet or my bank account that I'm doing that, but that's that's what's going on in these streets. But yeah, man, I've been loving these underdog drafts. I've been trying to go crazy with different strategies and learning as much as I can for you guys. I think that best ball is going to be huge in the next year or two. So look out for more best ball content. Look out for more mock drafts. And I think that tomorrow I might do an auction mock draft. But we'll see, we'll see where that goes. We'll also have a Justin Fields video coming out soon. So make sure you go down below, subscribe. You don't want to miss any of that. And as always, you can find me at Ronstore underscore on Twitter. I'll see you guys in the next one. Thirsty, thirsty, tryna choose. I mean, I know I'm pretty cool. My nitty bag, my kitty bulls. I got the juice, I got the juice. Channel, Chatham's on. Foolies glad I'm home Even my haters kinda glad I'm on.